What's up, y'all? It's your girl, Nurse Ree, and you're tuning in to Forensic Nurse Files. This is an informative but fun true crime podcast that follows the careers of three forensic nurse examiners. We just want to note that this podcast uses foul language, some sarcasm, and contains descriptions of adult themes and violence that some people may find disturbing. So if you need support, please check the show notes or visit our website. called me back in 45 minutes I think so way in time and she was free she called me and she said he didn't fight me he was sad and I saw him cry but I, I think she said oh it was very close to crying but she like he didn't hurt me he didn't hold me down he wasn't angry and I was so relieved and I was oh my god yes <laughs> you made it wow <laughs> You fucking made it. And we... She came over to my place, I think, that day. And we sat down by the water and got (laughs) (laughs) shit-faced. Please drink responsibly. But we got shit-faced. And (laughs) these fucking white lilies, it was such a power move. I'm still really much... I mean, it's so good. And then... And then the attention was back to me because Leslie was done. She had a lot of stuff to work through now, but she was safe and she was done. And then it suddenly dawned at me, like leaving this helper and supportive mode that I was still in there and my story wasn't done yet. He called me, I think the day of or like the day after and was like, yeah, Leslie broke up with me. And I was trying to be like, give him as little information as possible because at that point I was still very, unsure i i knew deep down that i wanted to leave but i didn't know how and i didn't know if i even could because to be honest he spent so much time on me as his little project which were his words by the way he called me a project sometimes i just didn't know if i would be allowed to go if he would let me and I was very careful in walking the line between lying and just not giving any information because he wanted to know did you know about that and are you going to leave me too and I he was his attention was back up he was really much clawing on me through the phone more or less I think he felt very very threatened by that situation because he couldn't force me into some kind of manipulation circle again because I was so far away but he also just knew he had to like it was basically his wake-up call of like oh shit 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 I'm losing that one too that one ate so much resources I I can't lose that. And I told him I wasn't going to leave him. And Leslie mentioned something like that and basically lied my ass off and tried not to, but being as vague as possible. And I felt like the worst person alive because I was like, yeah, I kind of pushed her to do it. I, I caused him that kind of pain and I'm at fault. And two days later, I was sitting at his place and was like laying down my case, basically. I was like, this is not going to work for me anymore. I was still somehow under the delusion that if he worked on himself, it could work again. So I was like, yeah, but you got to pull with me. And he was down for it. He was like, yeah, finding some kind of bullshit logical excuse for everything and this conversation took two hours i think wanda was next to it as well kind of trying to moderate or help brian's case i think and i 
negotiated a three-week no contact period. I left that house and had to hitchhike home. <laughs> Not home, I went to see a friend after that. But I had to hitchhike because um, the train was not driving because someone got very hot on the railway. So that was very unfortunate, but I made, I made it to my friend. And we talked about it briefly, but spent most of the time pretty quiet. And those three weeks were hell, absolutely hell. He was not a stressor anymore because he held his no contact rule. But I was a mess i was i think i annoyed my neighbors with crying so loudly at night because everything i knew was crumbling and this whole system that kept me in for so long was falling down and i tore it down i i worked to tear it down i worked half a year or longer it was so much work to get to that point and it was crumbling around my feet and i was panicking and just thinking i was losing myself because it, who am i if not that who am i if not ryan's possession i think and my best friend and my then girlfriend had very long talks about it with me my best friend gave me a lot of stability leslie also gave me a lot of stability because she was like yeah i i jumped and i can hold the hand out for you but you have to jump yourself so after that first attempt of leaving him i went back and three weeks were up and i tried again and i don't i don't remember much of that conversation i know it took a long time it took three hours maybe it took a long time and he was very aggressive with his attempts to keep me in he would not leave his hands off me he would always kind of being like touching me i shut down i think that that was this time once and was just dissociating into space for five minutes easily because my brain was just shutting down it couldn't handle that kind of confrontation with him because i was so conditioned to please him for instance or like do what he wanted from me that i i felt i was failing him and all of the ways he made and shaped the person i was and it is i stared at the table and the white lilies that leslie gave him before because he somehow, don't ask me why, but he kept them. And they were like, um, the first time I was there, they were staring back at me. The second time I was there, they were like dead. Three weeks dead. And I, they were still standing there and like staring back at me. And I was like, I couldn't. I, I cried like five, seven, ten times during that conversation. I tried to make my point and he just wouldn't let me go. It was a, It was a thing for me that I thought I didn't have the permission to leave unless he let me. So I tried to argue my case in somehow and he didn't get it because surprise he didn't and he made me stay. I had my best friend call me after like the two hour marks because he was worried because I didn't answer. I didn't text him or my then girlfriend. My girlfriend was already on the way. She was on the train and almost there when I finally left that house and he was when my best friend called me. I had to end the call before I even picked it up. I couldn't pick up because uh, Ryan was standing so close in front of me and like staring down on my phone and like side-eyeing everything I did on my phone if I did anything on my phone and just asking questions like are you, are you talking still to Leslie and what's that and yeah and who are you texting and who's calling and I lied to him and said oh it was another student of my 
study group and yeah they said they would call me i i forgot about it or something like that i pulled something out of my ass i don't even remember the lie completely i i lied because i was suddenly very 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 scared for the safety of my best friend because i was like oh god if i tell him that this guy who he wasn't allowed to meet like supported me in this would he like get dangerous about it would he i didn't know so i tried to protect him and ended the call i texted him later when i was in the bathroom for a few minutes and dreading the feeling of oh god i have to go out of there again i have to I have to keep fighting this. I have to... And it very much felt like the times where I was taking a bathroom break after... Like, in the very beginning, after, like, watching anime with him. And I would stare at the door and just know I have to go out of there. And then I have to sleep with him. And just dreading that feeling. And just... I don't want to. I don't. I really don't want to. But I have to. It's... It's hard. It's like every fiber in your body is like, this is not safe like screaming and i promised to see him again in a few days and this promised to continue the relationship and i left the house and called my best friend and was like i didn't i couldn't do it i didn't i failed i failed i failed i couldn't do it and i was so afraid he would judge me because he put so much work again that the type of thinking he put so much work into me and now i'm failing him too and my best friend got all soft in his voice and was like, no, it's okay. It's fine. Nobody expects you to do it, like, first try. It's okay. It was a super hard time. You were in there for, like, four hours. It's okay. It's okay. Repeating, it's fine. You didn't fail. And I met my girlfriend at the train station and I just cried for a while with her. And she supported me and made sure I got home safely. I That kind of very specific feeling just stuck with me too. I You feel like you failed, but you just know that everything was turned against you more or less. So I tried again a few days later. Again, showing up at his doorstep and because he invited me over. And I had this talk and I was talking to Susan next to it over the days again and again and trying to also explain to her why I was trying to end it or I, why I was feeling I wasn't, I couldn't do it anymore. And Susan had, Susan had a different opinion than me. She defended him a lot and told me that, well, he maybe needed a little bit of help, but he can change and he did change before and he might be a little bit difficult sometimes but you're blowing this out of proportion and he didn't mean it and but if you need him you're, he's always there for you and all of that and I was visiting my best friend and she called so I picked up and we talked about it and I left the living room to sit like in the corner of the kitchen on the floor I can't even imagine what it was like for my best friend during that time because he found me like talking to her sniffling and sobbing in the corner on the floor because I was so I felt so small and I had to move into some spot where I had a wall in my back so I could feel like a little bit safer and he found me on the floor and joined me and just 
held me more or less while I talked to Susan and he didn't mean to listen in but in the end he he did a little bit and because my phone was so loud I didn't even realize it was that loud and I ended the call and was like so done and was like she doesn't get me she doesn't understand I don't know why I don't know if I'm doing something wrong and he just looked at me and was like yeah I don't like how she's talking to you that also stuck with me a lot so I went in again and I tried it and how did that conversation go that uh, conversation went for another four hours and he went very physical doing that again always touching always always having his hands on me and tried to tickle me a few times to I don't know why lighten up the mood I no idea so I was going like no 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 don't don't touch me no no repeating it and he took a moment to pull back and I saw how he thought about just ignoring it but I just told him that him ignoring my nose was a big thing so he pulled back and I was like oh god so getting this feeling of he would have just done it again i not no no breakup conversations are really easy but this just seems like such a hard like difficult conversation to have yeah it was very heavy that conversation and i tried to keep a straight back and i tried to i tried to get away from that but i was missing so much security in myself and i was missing a perspective that i was something else than made by him that i didn't do it again and i agreed to come back a few days later and i walked home i talked to Susan, I talked to, still trying to fight my case. I was like, this isn't right. You have to see it too. You have to, I don't know if I try to pull Susan out of it as well. Or like maybe make her think a little bit because I had no chance to get anywhere between them, really. I just could state my case. And Susan at some point was like, okay, you're planning to break up with him. And I was like, yeah, I think I am. And she's like, okay, then call him and tell him because if you don't do it, I will. Whoa, what? Yeah, she was like, no, I'm, I'm telling him, snitching. <laughs> and basically blackmailing me, I think. I am not sure. I think she was like, yeah, this is taking too long and it is just suffering for Ryan. So because he was, he was not doing well. During that time, I got a call from uh, Wanda during that time as well. And she was like, I've never seen him like that. He won't speak to me. He won't eat. Making a scene out of it because he was kind of... I don't know what was going on with him. I think he was realizing he lost something. And yeah, so I called him. And he was all friendly with me in the beginning. I had another friend on call on like my computer because... I was like, I can't do this alone. And she was like, yeah, okay, I'm sitting with you. And I said, yeah, I'm done. And his tone like shifted. And he started to pull off the, uh, everything I did for you. I did this for you and I did that for you. And we were having such a great time. And I was like so dissociated also at that point that I was like not entertaining it. I was, yeah, but... No, I was so tempted to spite him and push into his face that he said he would never weigh anything off in the relationship, which he did anyway all the time. I could have known, but I didn't. So he was like, yeah, okay. And eight years for the trash can. And I was like, yeah, yeah, you got it. 
<laughs> That's what I'm doing. Eight and a half years of relationship, pure relationship. Yeah, not counting the time before that where we weren't dating, but it, knowing him, it was nearly just the process of the grooming in the beginning. Counting it up, it was close to 10 years. Oof. That was at that point more than half, a little bit less than half my lifetime. And I was like, yeah, to the bin. And he was like, yeah, I, I want to have my books back. And I was like, okay, you're getting your books. So he made me drive back to him again and carry like this heavy ass book stuff to him. And I did that. Looking back, I should just have said like, fuck you, you're getting it with the mail. But I didn't. I was still set on the idea I want to do this fairly. And fairly means I have to bring him back his books and his belongings. And he asked me into the house and I accepted and got stood like very close to the door with my hand on the door handle. And I was very focused on not moving because Wanda was standing there next to it. And Wanda was very good at interpreting body language. So I tried to stay as still as possible to give like as little information as I could. And basically... They spoke to Susan and Susan snitched a lot, basically everything I told her. And he, after all of the time, had the audacity to tell me, yeah, you, it's all in your head. Of course he did. Gaslighting at its finest. He was so driven into a corner that he resorted to telling me, yeah, this is all in your head. You're sick. You are making stuff up. Your memory isn't working right you have something wrong with your head and you belong in the closed off psych ward. Drive there now. This is dangerous. You could get, get a audacity to add. You could get the idea that I raped you or something. <sighs> and I stood there and I felt like my face twitch, like just, just a tiny bit at that statement. And I was, I, I still hope he didn't notice. And it was intimidating. It was very intimidating. Because I tried to still defend what I told Susan because the chain of no's and please don't touch me when he tried to uh, reach to uh, tickle me, that one conversation. She, like, Wanda was like, no, that didn't happen. And Ryan also was like, no, that didn't happen. And I would have heard that because I was in the next door, like Wanda. And I just... I stopped arguing I just left the books there and left and just tried to keep I knew what was happening I knew what gaslighting was but it hasn't ever happened to me that openly straight up with there is something wrong with your memory and with your way of seeing things and this is dangerous and you are danger to yourself and to everyone around you and you are making it up and all of that so I was really clinging to that knowledge to not spiral into that. I was a few times on the drive back. I was planning on driving to the psych ward. And then I was, yeah, but what the fuck would they tell me when I told them the story? I'm pretty sure they would say like, oh shit, that's an asshole. <laughs> so I texted him a last time that night after I got home because I was so overwhelmed with 
rage when I got home. I sat in the public transport for a while, so I had a lot of space to think and to talk with friends. And I was so overtaken with with anger that I texted him that, yeah, this was gaslighting. Don't think I didn't notice that. Also, you three, meaning Vanda and Ryan and Susan, you three are never seeing me again. Then I blocked him and blocked the other two on all platforms that I could and destroyed every piece of letter or photo or anything written, anything. I, I just, I cleared my out my desk, put like a plate under it, put a bowl on top of it and just, I set it on fire. Everything in my apartment, which was an awful idea because I had to fight the fire alarm seven times, but windows open, just setting fire to it again and again and again and again, because it wouldn't keep burning and I was just I was I went through my cupboard that had like a few cups that they have given me and one of them I just threw one of them underground and just then realized what the fuck I was doing and was like okay no it's okay it's okay and since then I have not heard of any of them I'm in frequent contact with Leslie I am still in contact with my best friend and my former girlfriend. And yeah, I've been free for a year. When did that one year mark pass? Um, October. Wow, Lo, congratulations. That is not an easy feat by any means. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> it's, um, I feel like I should have died 17 times in that time. So have any of them tried to reach out to you or I know you said you blocked them all but I'm just wondering if they have found any means to try and contact you. Or also if anyone in your life at the time like you know close friends, your mom, has anyone come forward and said they knew this was going on or asked what was going on with you during this time like had they noticed a change in you? I got very paranoid during the anniversary because I was like, oh God, what if he shows up at my home? So I spent that time not at home and nothing happened. And which is not really a surprise. I think he was a little bit too prideful to do that because, oh my God, I'm not running after any woman. That's no, that's like against my manly honor, I think. Yeah, he he didn't try to contact me. And Susan and Wanda didn't either. I talked to my mom recently because there was a family function and I, again, got shit-faced to even tolerate the family function. And I spoke a bit too much to her and, like, let her know that this was a thing that happened because she had no idea. And she told me she, she knew she had a suspicion about it because I was spending so much time with them during my teenage years and uh, I was very angry at her for that. I was asking her why did, didn't you do anything and she was just pretty much not doing anything about it for her own comfort because that would have meant she would have had to fight me or because I was not I was at that time I was not willing to let her decide anything in my life because she didn't care she didn't do anything why should she get to decide who am I dating even if that guy is 19 years older than me so I I went no contact with her recently because of that 
So that was the last connection point I could have had to them at all. Um, I have a word to a few specific groups of people. Parents, watch your fucking kids. Watch your kids like hawks. Put a bell around their necks or something. I don't care. It is so important because it is so often that it's like a family member or like a friend of you as well. And having a good relationship at home uh, or even like some basic trust can prevent something like that. I wouldn't have been through that if I had a good home life because I would have just told my mom when I was younger. You can't always prevent creeps creeping on your children. Of course you can't. But you can make sure they are telling you. And as soon as you are informed, you can do something about it. If it's happening behind your back, you can't do shit about it. And make sure your kid trusts you enough to tell you. And then you get to prevent further harm. Watch your kids. It doesn't matter if it's a girl or a boy. A lot of boys are also groomed and a lot of it is overlooked. So also keep an eye on your kids' internet access as well, please. please. Yes, that's a huge one. <laughs> Just in general. <laughs> and another group of people I want to address are if your friend is suddenly dating someone who is so much younger than them or maybe even underage, don't let that shit fly. I got out of there and I broke up a friendship with one of my friends because she was dating a minor like at 25 don't let it fly please don't i know you know them and i know they are your friends and i know they will have a million different reasons but no matter how much they say you can handle the responsibility or how much they say oh but that teenager is so mature for their age no they're not they're teenagers they think they are mature and everything but they are not please if Someone is dating someone so much younger and you're like in your 20s, in your 30s, doesn't matter. Call that shit out. Make sure these people are having trouble socially. Make sure these these people are getting like some kind of clap back there. It is so important to make them uncomfortable in their own bubble so they get some kind of info that this is not right because justifying it for themselves is always so easy everyone is convinced they are a good person uh, ryan was convinced he was a good person they often find some bullshit explanation so call that shit out for younger people don't let anyone joke around you to an extent you're not comfortable with it's a slippery slope if someone is starting to make jokes about your body or just jokingly introduce some kind of fantasy they have even if it's like a partner and you feel uncomfortable let them know let them know and pull a boundary there if they don't respect that make sure to leave that situation it is not getting better from that point they are not changing they are not just joking oftentimes humans choose to pick jokes as a kind of testing the waters and if you are not even if you're younger and an adult tries that with you that is a kind of technique used to see if they can go through with you if you're not giving any fight if you're not giving any boundary they will continue to push boundaries until they have you on your knees or on your back or as a fucking dog to own. Don't let it happen. The responsibility is always on the one doing it, but please protect yourself. Preach, low. And you're not alone. I made it out. Leslie made it out. We are still kicking with a lot of issues, but kicking. And 
make sure you're safe. Talk to someone. You're valid, no matter how fucked up your story might be. Things get better. Thank you for sitting down and sharing your journey or your story about your teenage years and what all you went through with me and really actually with the whole world because I know that's not easy to do. There's so many instances, you know, myself included. You're a teenager, you're dating an older guy who's over 18 out of high school and you think you're so cool for it. You think it's cute and it happens time and time again and nobody's saying anything about it. I think it's important to remember that getting snippets of stories is one thing, but the whole picture is always a lot different than you'd think. Like, you also had friends that were seeing us dating and nobody said a thing. So please don't be that friend. Solo, I know you said you just passed your one year anniversary of leaving the situation in October, but you sound like you're at peace with the situation. Is that an accurate statement or how are you coping? How do you feel? And if you could go back, would you have reported him? I, I'm talking about it so easily, but or like more or less easily, but um, there are days for me that are worse than others. And there are days where I could have never held this conversation. And also, I wanted to address that really quick. I'm pretty sure a lot of people are like, why didn't they like sue them? Why didn't they report them? I wouldn't have made that mentally. I Cases like court cases, including sexual violence and rape and all of that, are often very hard on the victims. So trying to get through... A court case like that that would have just destroyed me even seeing him again in court and seeing Vander again in court and seeing Susan again in court because they would have had his back and me not having physical evidence and I didn't like collect evidence during the years so basing a judgment of, of things people are saying is always very hard and a lot of cases like that will just run into nothing and I wouldn't have made that I was glad I was alive by the end of it and I was very scared that he would come after me and if I angered him again so that's why I didn't report it after I left I wasn't really in the state of mind to be that level of angry at him like I had my small outburst when I came home that night but anger never returned again until like very recently. I wouldn't have had that energy that anger gives you. I was often times than not still very much feeling guilty and somehow repeating stuff he had said to me or still using thought patterns that he had used. I was also struggling with a lot of PTSD related symptoms including very intense flashbacks here and there. So trying to navigate that took a lot of my energy. So I didn't really, I couldn't even, it was off the table the moment I thought about it because there was no way in hell I would have had the energy for that. I think as soon as any kind of behavior that leads to pain is normalized, that's basically a death sentence. As soon as stuff is normalized and accepted as a normality, like I accepted my normality as well, humans are very durable. 
Also, human minds are very durable, so they will adapt. They will find a way to survive in any kind of environment and still kind of keep a way of somewhat saneness. They will find any kind of strategy that will help them adapt. So if a victim is in active pain all of the time, that's not the important question. The important question is, is it something we would want as a normality? Is it something we would want to encounter every day? And if the answer is no, we shouldn't accept or tolerate it. And I think I can speak for everyone here at Forensic Nurse Files when I say that, you know, as much as we love our jobs, we're so passionate about what we do, we really want to prevent these things from happening. We don't want people to have to come in and see us. But unfortunately, it seems like every year it's getting worse and worse and worse. And so I know a lot of the places that we've all worked at hold community events. We try to educate the public, but um, for some reason, it's so difficult to get. And not for some reason, these stories are difficult to listen to. Um, and it's difficult to get victims to come forward and share their stories. So preventing these things from happening is hard because nobody wants to go there. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like we're stuck between a rock and a hard place on how to really prevent these things from happening. Yeah, that's a thing. I think it's a universal thing. Do you want to hear my take on that? Of course. Um, I think more proactive work in schools. I think making sure people are familiar with even preventive measures what are common manipulation tactics what are what is even gaslighting a lot of people don't know that and if they don't know that they will fall victim to it because it works it it works on a lot of people but it only works because they don't know about it. So I think for prevention, telling people about it, about how to not fall victim is a very big step. If you're already affected, I think getting a safe space that is like accepting and close to society's ears, I'm going to call it, is very important. That's why I even reached out to you. Because of course it is important to work through all of this with like a trained professional i'm still looking for a therapist as well even if that is discussed behind closed doors it is still very much important to make sure people are heard by people who have not shared this experience and not making them feel weird or awkward about it like a podcast or something that is a safe space in being recorded puts a nice little barrier between the speaker or the voice and the listener. So I probably wouldn't have spoken that in depth and like that calm about it if I knew, okay, a lot of people are listening. So recording or writing something down and letting people hear it really is something I think would help and also make sure to protect the survivors and um, people who are still experiencing active abuse sometimes because like i said it takes a lot of time to leave something like that and make sure they are protected from attacks of 
oh, they are lying, or oh, they are at fault, or oh, they could have, the door was never locked, they could have gone, like, they could have left, protecting them from that until they can stand with a straight back again would probably help tons, because your worst enemy in the first while is judgment from others, because you're adopting yourself so much. Thanks again, Lo, just for being so vulnerable and so open and letting me ask all of the questions. It's not always easy. There are better days and there are worse days. I Just to give like anecdotal evidence, um, I had to leave a restaurant a few days ago, actually, because they fixed a chair. Like they, they were like, they, they fixed a chair with a little bit of this silver shining duct tape. You know that kind of tape? Yeah, I sure do. Mm. It was the shine of it that reminded me of another abusive BDSM covered scene that was very much not good on uh, my mental health. So it just triggered this kind of reaction and I was just freezing up and I, I had to leave. I already ordered but I was like, I'm sorry, I have to be somewhere. I'm so sorry. And I had I had to leave just because the light reflected on it a certain way. Wow. So what I'm hearing is that you're still struggling. Yeah, uh, immensely. But I guess that's to be expected. Lo, thank you so, so much from the bottom of my heart. Like, thank you for sharing your story. These are things that we hear about in the movies. This is stuff that we see on TV. It doesn't happen where you come across somebody in real life who's actually been through it and who's actually willing to sit down and tell about it, talk about it, have a conversation about it, be vulnerable about it. Like you said earlier, a lot of embarrassment comes with things like this. So people are not as open to share what they've been through, even though so many people can relate to what they've been through. And so I'm just so thankful that you were willing to talk about it and to share your journey, to share your story. I have to thank you as well, because super nice, super like patient and very, very welcoming as well. I didn't expect to get an answer as fast as I did. And I was like, oh, oh, this person's nice. <laughs> and also all of the time we spent here talking, I was, I felt very safe and felt like I could speak for that matter. <laughs> and I didn't feel like I had to censor myself. So that was very appreciated. I've encountered, like I tried to talk um, before and I've encountered a lot of different reactions I obviously don't go and dump it on anyone who would listen, but sometimes people ask when I have opinions about big age gaps in relationships, or I have opinions on victim blaming someone who is telling something that the people or like the, the person I'm talking to is like, oh my god, this didn't happen, they made it up. And I'm, I encountered like someone in a helpline actually, um, once before who he, to cut it short, he didn't believe me. He, he masked it a little bit, but I, I felt 
adapted in like the way he he phrased questions and the way he talked and I was I had mixed feelings about this conversation because at some level I was so insanely jealous <laughs> I was so insanely envious of him being able to sit there and be like no this doesn't happen like good for you buddy you had luck you had good luck and that's great for you he also compared me to do you know uh the survivor of abduction natasha krampusch have you heard her story no i don't think i've ever heard of her there's a movie about her actually she was sadly abducted as a kid and held captive for years so um she went she went to the public and she got ripped apart sadly a lot uh, in the media or like by people talking about her story because they somehow still blamed her despite being like eight years old or seven and people not believing me is a common occurrence i would say even if they just hear parts of it i'm never sitting down with someone and telling it from start to finish they all get bits and bobs when i'm telling something just because they asked or because it's something that has been on my mind and they offered me to talk about it and sometimes I think it's good that people don't believe it but sometimes I'm like yeah but there's so much more going on below the surface of basically society you see the statistics and people know for like for example child abuse or sex trafficking they know the statistics and they know the numbers and but like in a story with a face or with a voice it's always something different even if you think your your story wouldn't make a difference or if you feel like oh um it doesn't matter or it won't change anything but the truth is it maybe doesn't change what happened but the alternative is keeping to protect people like that in some way or another you're not at fault if you don't dare to speak absolutely not that's not what i'm trying to say but breaking the silence even sporadically when some of you also speak up that does a lot of things if you have the ability to speak if you don't it's fine no matter what you pick your ballot but always make sure to know you even surviving a lot of this is a very very big thing thank you to all our listeners out there who tuned into all four parts of lolita's story we know that theirs is one that's going to touch so many people across the globe as always if you feel that you need help or support please feel free to check the show notes or visit our website and if you feel like you'd like to come on and tell your story on our podcast you can reach us on instagram and facebook at forensic nurse files you can email us at forensic nurse files pod at gmail.com we're also on tiktok at forensic nurse files pod and we would wholeheartedly appreciate it if you could leave us a review wherever it is you're listening We're going to be on a little hiatus for one to two weeks. But until the next episode, y'all stay safe and we'll catch you next time.